It's Ready Check, Season 3, Episode 3. Flask up, eat your noodles, grab them tasty warlock cookies, and let's pull the boss that is this week's show. Anger, hatred, fear. I have seen mountains of skulls and rivers of blood, and I will have my world! Five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, Tom here. I play a holy paladin in the raiding guild Omni Shambles on Ghostlands EU. Um, let's meet my partners in crime this week. First up, fellow man in pink, although this one likes being punched in the face repeatedly. And, you know, interestingly enough, that's the exact same analogy he gave me when I asked him what it was like to raid lead our guild. It's Facetti! <laughs> hey guys, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad, thank you. How are you? Yes, fantastic. Thank you. Yes, fantastic. Nice. I like to hear that. Right, next up, we've got my favourite hairy badger, and I'm not just talking to her character. It's, uh, it's Honey Bunny. How's it going? So I appreciate being called a hairy badger in real hairy life. Hairy badger. <laughs> I was going to make reference to your uh, amazing singing voice from the end of last week's show, but I thought you'd probably punch me in the face. <laughs> I might actually drive to your house, punch you. I mean, actually, when it came out, I was a little bit tempted, but I was like, meh, that's quite a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. Too much like hard work. I can't be bothered. You'll just see yeah. silently from afar. Yeah. I'll just sit here yeah. and one day, one day I'll get my own back. We will have our revenge. <laughs> no. But aside from that, I am good, thank you. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. What have you guys been up to this week? Facetti, you start us off, mate. Uh, this week, um, obviously the Valentine's Day um, event has started this week. Um, it's probably just about finishing now, actually. And I've spent many a day attempting to get the Love Rocket. I have four <laughs> level 90 characters. We, we, we chuckling out there, Dave. It's, yeah. um, no, no, this, uh, no, I'm not... No, okay. I think it's the worst love rocket. Pink rocket I think it legs. might be love rocket. Pink love rocket. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm just going to play Kiss on the microphone to you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, four level 90 characters attempting to get my pink love rocket. And so far, <laughs> I've been failing miserably. Um, but in, in better news, uh, I have finally got my legendary cloak. Uh, last night Woo. yes so i am now a proper tank a proper tank a proper tank can we upgrade you again are you going to be corrugated iron i know it's just <laughs> all the way to the top this is diamond diamond tank Ooh. whoa yeah surpass oh, the, the super bear no. All right, one <laughs> item level higher than me. I don't know if it counts. Are you actually, actually in front? Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, he's actually nice. now ahead. Although, I'm still beating him on the health pool race, so I feel okay about that. Oh, <laughs> overpowered bear. So, yes, it's been a relatively good week this week with the uh, with me getting the, the cloak, so I'm quite chuffed by that. That's the second character I've got it on now, and I will not be doing it again. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I've, I've, myself, I've also got my cloak this week on my paladin, which is good. So Ooh. I think we're now up to a full raid team. So the, the two slackers have finally caught up, which is good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I never have to do LFR ever again. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! That is always exciting. Actually, that, that leads me on to a question that I want to ask you guys in a second. So, um, so honey, why don't you just tell us what you've been up to this week first? Um, I, <laughs> I have also been trying to acquire the Love Rocket. And <laughs> not my love right. rocket. Not not Anne's love rocket. I want my own love rocket. <laughs> oh god. Um. Other than that, uh, been just doing a bit of achievements, gearing up my paladin and my shadow priest for some alt runs that we'll hopefully be doing soon in the future. But yeah, other than that, it's just been a bit chilled. Good. 
Right, so with uh, you and I both going through an awful lot of LFR in the last couple of weeks for Teti, I just wanted to ask, do you do you feel as though it's changed significantly since LFR first came out? The reason I ask is because, for me, I, I've kind of felt a little bit like it's gone downhill, if, if anything. So I was just wondering if that was just me and my experience or whether you'd kind of seen the same from the, from the tanking side of things. No, it's always been pretty dire. I don't <laughs> think it could get much worse, to be fair. Um... <laughs> No, in all seriousness, um, it seems to vary on when you do it and how good a group you get. Um, the last one of Front of Thunder seems to be uh, a relatively smooth one because I think a lot of people are still working towards their their cloaks and people getting the cloak generally have a better idea of what to do um, in-game. Um, but certainly the early ones, uh, the one before it, can be pretty dire at times. Um yeah, I'm thinking, you know, three people alive at the end of Duramoon. That's always quite good fun. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help with the whole um, timeless gear um, sort of being thrown at people. Uh, people get to 496 pretty pretty quickly, and then they can obviously jump straight into the, the front of Thunder LFRs, if not the Siege of Orgrimmar LFRs. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't really, really help with the quality of the, the experience. So I'm really glad I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> but um, as far as tanking goes, um, I've not really found much of the toxic environment that people have alluded to um, with tanks. I suppose it helps that I'm geared up to the nines and people just sort of leave me to do whatever I want because they think I know what I'm actually doing, which may not be the case. <laughs> oh, how little um, they know. Exactly. It's... Um... <laughs> It's weird you say that though, because I I went into LFR probably a month or two ago, and I had and I have had for a long time 1.1 million health, so I've got fairly good gear. And um, I was tanking with this guy that had obviously just jumped in, at, like having timeless aisle stuff. And um, he he proceeded to tell me every single thing that I he thought I was doing wrong for the tactics on every single boss fight. Despite the fact that I kept telling him, I know what I'm doing, dude. I honestly don't need your help, but thanks. He just Check kept my achievements. Going. I've done he these on heroic. Going. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what I'm doing by this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think that necessarily helps having gear. <laughs> I mean, who you're tanking with. We're fairly well away from like pro players, but once you get to a certain gear level, Speak certainly yourself, the tank. Honey. Well, yeah. Well, I'm being modest. <laughs> That's come across as modest. Um, <laughs> once you get to a certain gear level as a tank in LFRs, there's nothing really you can do to mess it up. I mean, you can no. solo tank the entire place and it barely more than tickles. Yep. Um, so you can just sort of stand in all the all the bad and yeah, ramp up that vengeance. <laughs> vengeance <laughs> is good, yo. Big deeps. Nice. All the deeps. All the deeps. Right, so um, with that, I think we should move on to the new section. Good news, everyone! Good news indeed. Right, honey, what have you got this week? I am... Um, oh, it's been announced that the end of the PvP season will take place on Tuesday, February the 18th. Which is amazing news because it means that hopefully patch 5.4.7... That's really close. I know, it's like next yeah. Tuesday. Right. Wow. Yeah, next week. Yeah, yeah, because today is the 15th. Yeah, really fucking close. Uh, it means the next patch will be out on Wednesday. Holy oh, moly. Yeah. Interesting. Um, does that mean they're removing challenge modes with 5.4.7? Sort of leads us into, I suppose, our next it, news piece. 
<laughs> it does indeed. Conveniently. Yes, <laughs> conveniently enough, that's, that's almost like a, a, a well-planned segue there. No, um, so challenge mode is also finishing, um, and the, the reason that they gave for that was that um, you obviously with uh, the the new kind of removal of hit and expertise and and all that kind of stuff with the increased level cap etc it's no longer going to be um quote unquote normalized um in terms of difficulty so to avoid people going back and getting all of the gear and stuff from the challenge modes just by cheesing through it at a higher level or with or you know without having to worry about hit or expertise which they currently do it, it's also going to be removed so they've, they've kind of likened it i think to uh to you know your, your pvp seasons and they wanted to have that kind of you know, um, seasons of PVE stuff as well, which is something that's been alluded to on Twitter. Um, so I think it's a pretty cool thing. And maybe going through Warlords, we might see um, sort of different seasons of challenge modes, I guess. Um, so as we kind of move through the tiers, maybe we'll have a, a challenge mode for a, a set gear level at a set tier. Then the next tier will come out and then perhaps we'll get another challenge mode or something. I don't know. But I mean, I, I, think, that's, I think that's quite cool. I think it's quite a good idea to have that sort of season-based gameplay like we get with the, the arena seasons. So are they going in 5.4.7 or are they just going before Warlords? Um, I, I did mention that, actually. I, I think they're not going with 5.4.7, but they are going to go before Warlords. So possibly, okay. I imagine, the 6.0 patch they'll go. So um, people have still um, got so time not this week. They We've still go. got some time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But uh, it will be a patch before Warlords. So whether that's another patch... Or it'll be 6.0, I don't know, but it'll be before then. So it's probably better to get them done beforehand, just on the safe side, if you ever want to get any of the achievements and all the cool stuff. Exactly right. This is your warning. Go do it. So yeah. this means if I need you... to get my ass in gear and go and do it then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, off. it does. <laughs> <Point> <laughs> it off. I've done one. I've done one of them in total and I got bronze and I've not done none since. <laughs> I have oh, tried to do one, but... <laughs> I did uh, I did one of them or two of them uh, when they first came out just to see how how difficult they were and got a gold just sort of oh yeah I can do that I'll do them later sort of thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some other with them <laughs> announcing that they're removing it I think I might um, yeah they get me asking gear and uh, pick a uh, a class that I want to do it on <laughs> that sounds like a good so that kind idea. of leads into uh, another interesting discussion as well is is there anything else in this expansion that you've not finished that you feel like you should have done? For instance, you know, the farm or <laughs> uh, finishing the pet battles or anything like that. Is there anything that you, you kind of yes. want to get finished? Proving grounds. I did yes. the, oh my God. I did the uh, bronze and the silver and I thought, you know what? I'll come back to the gold on a tank. I'll just come <laughs> back to it at a later date. That was probably about four months ago. I've just been like, la, yeah. la, la. <laughs> I did exactly the same on my paladin. I was like, well, you know, silver was pretty easy. I'll try it again yeah. another day. I think I the thing is, I tried gold to, uh... like once, and I just—I think I died. And I was like, "Nah, I'll come back to this later. Nah, it's bother. fine." Yeah, I need to need to reforge. It's fine. Let's <laughs> go do some other stuff. <laughs> I'm not actually attempting no, it on I, my I... tank yet, so that'd be yeah. I need to give that a go. I did it on my resto druid healer gold. Attempted the headless wave sort of thing and got bored and. So, oh, <laughs> this is good. It's because you play a druid, you don't have to do anything, just pop a few hearts on and run around. Yeah. Easy yeah. <laughs> right, um, one of the interesting things I found recently, actually, is that there are a bunch of guides for um, doing the the proving grounds, but as the wrong spec. So there's there, there are guides for, you know, oh, yeah. doing the tank one as holy uh, for a paladin or, or doing the DPS one as holy. So I really want to go and do those as well. I think that might be quite good fun. There's, a, there's an achievement for it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doing it wrong. 
That's yeah, it. Yeah, so you're doing it wrong. <laughs> We're quite like that. So, <laughs> I think I need to get that done. Yeah, you could I probably do I it as a healer in your tank spec, honey. Holy shit, I won't be doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing I is, she'd have to that, heal though. other people instead of just herself. I mean, she might be able to heal herself for like, you know, 50 bajillion heal per second, but... <laughs> <laughs> at least How she still needs another healer second? to heal somebody else. 50 bajillion, at least. 50 bajillion, I like it. <laughs> right, have we got any other news this week? Um, there's the recent Siege of Orgrimmar changes at Open, which I assume they'll be coming with a patch next week. So they are significant changes um, to the 10-man heroic Garrosh encounter. Um, Blizz has sort of gone to town on explaining the changes that they're doing and why they're actually doing them, which is which is rare for Blizzard to actually go into this level of detail. Um, obviously, Especially they... this late into the expansion. Yeah, it's a little weird to come, I don't know what we're in, five, six months into Siege of Orgrimmar, um, and then to suddenly suddenly change one of the fights, um, the 10-player heroic garage encounter quite significantly. Um, they've obviously, with the recent nerfs to the earlier fights, they're obviously now seeing a larger influx of guilds um, getting onto Garrosh, and obviously with all that data, they've realised they've probably pitched the difficulty a bit too high um, for right. ten man. Because obviously you remember um, that Finnish guild Paragons, um, they solo healed it, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's the, right. Yeah. Um, Despris, is it priest? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he solo healed it because just purely because of the DPS requirements um, required um, to kill him. So what they've done, um, they've reduced his health in all phases by roughly 5%, um, which is fairly significant. Um, 5% is a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's purely aimed at the, the DPS requirement to remove the need for having um, just Under one healer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, allow you to take um, another healer, which is more in line with the, the typical 10-man raid team. Um, they're also reducing the the health of the minions of Yasarj um, by ten percent. Um, That's quite a lot as well. This, yeah, um, it references the twenty five player uh, teams are kiting uh, the minions. Um, mostly due to the additional manpower that's there, it gives them the ability to do that. Whilst ten man raids generally have to kill them. Right. Um, I suppose again, that kind is... of evens it out. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, you've got to kill them, but it's not quite, again, it's easing the DPS required on Garros because there's um, obviously less time spent on him, whereas on 25-man, you can just ignore the ads and, and focus on the boss. Yeah. Um, they're also changing the clump size required to trigger an Iron Star in the, the final heroic phase. Um, this is something I'm not too familiar with, but this is the heroic-only phase where you're actually in Stormwind. Um and you must have to stack something. I'm sure someone on Twitter would explain this a little better than me. Poor Red Leader, not looked at the fight yet. But again, how dare you not research a boss like seven on from where we <laughs> oh, are? I know, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I should know exactly what's going on. Um, but there must be a, a stacking mechanic um, which requires now four people rather than three. Um, so, yeah, another, another fairly significant change. Um, it then goes on to mention why do you wait this long? Thanks, players. Way the nerf they only had fight in the game. Uh, and explain, explain why. Um, I guess it's like I say, it's the, with the nerfs earlier. 
um, over the last month or so. Um, they've obviously seen a large influx of, of players get into that boss and decided to bring it in line with the uh, the 25-man difficulty. I suppose it makes sense if 25-mans are having a slightly, I mean, not an easier time, but a slightly easier time by having to do slightly different things with the mechanics, like kiting the ads instead of having to kill them. It kind of makes sense to bring it in line for 10-mans to have it at the same sort of level. I mean, it doesn't sound like they've just got the nerf battle and gone, bah, but they've actually thought no, about no. it and gone, this is going to make it easier for 10-mans, this is going to make it the same level that 25-mans are doing it at. So exactly, I think it looks yeah. like a lot of effort has actually got into, gone into it, and they're thinking about it. They haven't just reduced everything by 10% and thought, ah, fuck it. No, They've exactly. actually looked at the data where guilds are struggling. and They've been watching what 25-mans are doing, obviously. Yeah, and fine-tuned the mechanic. Uh, so. I'll tell you what, though, guys. It, it can't just be me, but this this is an amazing sort of advert for how great mythic raiding is going to be when we've got a fixed 20-man size and we don't need to worry about oh, yeah. oh, God, the balances yeah. between 10 and 25 anymore. I, I seriously you think... can't wait. I think it's going to be brilliant. When you think, like, um, for said said, we're like five, six months into the expansion, and they're not they're just getting around to think about this, but like this is obviously becoming apparent still that there are still problems with ten player heroic versus twenty five player mm. heroic. It must be really hard to get the balance like exactly right because you just don't know what guilds are going to do. Well, they've been trying to they introduce it um, to try and get the balance right, and they've never really achieved it. There's always been a tier that's been slightly easier on twenty-five months, slightly yeah. easier on ten. It's it must be yeah. it must be really difficult to get the balance right for ten and twenty-five man. I bet I bet they can't wait just to have it as twenty-man mythic done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I can't wait for that day. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. Oh, it's going to be good. Yeah, Rome just was. think all this extra time they're spending like, at the moment, like balancing the fights. Come what on, they can the do with all that extra time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Peter. Right, with that, I think we should move on to the next section. You all know what's coming. Here it is. We gonna die! It's that time. So, Facetti, why don't you talk us through our what we've been doing in our Raiding Guild Omni Shambles on Ghostlands EU? Um, so, the last show, I believe we were just working our way up to Galacras Heroic. Um, you will all be pleased to know that we've actually killed him. We got in there, um, we gave him a few goes, we tweaked some of the tactics a little bit, um, try and really even out the the second phase, uh, where we were struggling was the, as we were getting into the second phase, um, you obviously have to see the fiery balls, um, that you have to pass through people and share out the debuffs and it reduces the damage. Um, we were struggling with the allocation of the two groups. So, for example, we're getting more on the left than we were on the right and the damage was a bit uneven. So we changed how we were doing it. Um, we've sort of introduced a forced left-right, left-right sort of rotation. Um, the first person goes left, second goes right, third left, no matter which group they're in. And it sort of forces the debuffs to the left and right hand groups and that worked for us um after a couple of attempts of just getting the uh the positioning sorted and how quickly he had to run we got him down so yes i was mighty impressed by it i was getting kind of scared and worried that we were going to be uh <laughs> be stuck on that there boss forever. for a while i mean i know a lot of, a lot of guilds um find galacrass easier uh it is an easy, an easier fight than most, um, but we seem to uh, to struggle with it a little bit. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad we managed to get through it. 
<laughs> the really frustrating thing was that we were um, we were only ever failing on phase two, so we had to go through you know seven or eight minutes of phase yeah. one, which was easy. Exactly. It was really really easy just to get there, just to wipe. So I think was, that was, was the most painful part. <laughs> that fight is going to give me RSI as a tank. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> So after so we go down, um, yeah, all the swipes. So you after we go down, wait, what? what? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so after we got Galacross down, um, we moved on to the next boss on the list, which is obviously Iron Juggernaut Heroic. Um, as a raid team, I think um, it's a fight where our strengths shine. We have a very solid healing team and it's all about healing on that particular fight so we got there with about an hour left in the in the raid um we had some very good attempts i think our best one was around 20 percent um which is mighty impressive for the first four to five pulls um but it's a relatively straightforward fight uh lots of healing um lots of damage going out but yeah certainly when we see him next um He'll be going down. So tomorrow night, yes, yeah. we will be uh, back on him, and I fully expect uh, to kill him. So then we'll be moving on to shamans. Yay! Oh, shamans. good. So we're definitely going to do shamans <laughs> next, wait. and not skip to Nazgrim. Um, no, I think it's Nazgrim is certainly easier, but I don't think there's much in it really. So yeah, shamans rather than avoiding it, we might as well just tackle it head on. Why not? And, Why not? Uh, eh? jump in head first and hope for the very best <laughs> so here's a, an interesting question for you obviously we only raid twice a week so we've only got five hours of progress a week now that we're getting further into heroic modes it's getting to the point where we're starting to waste more time on the earlier heroics than we're getting on the later heroics if that makes sense so when when do you think it's right for a guild you know any guild to start extending in order to, to work through progression um, it can come down to what your your guild actually needs. I mean, we've ploughed through the first four bosses certainly multiple times. Um, we've got plenty of gear from them. Um, once you get to a point where you're not actually needing that many items, um, I guess would be a good opportunity to uh, uh, to extend. Um, but it, it just depends on how long it's actually taking you to clear up um, through them bosses. I mean, we only raid, you know, like you say, two and a half hours a night, two nights a week. Um, generally, we can get through the first four within an hour, an hour and 15. Um, Galacras still giving us a bit of issues um, since we only killed him once. Um, but I think once you get to about the halfway mark, I think it's around that point that you you want to start thinking about extending the raids. Like I've got in our plan, um, after we've killed Shamans, we will likely extend to move on to Nazgrim um for a raid week just because nasgrim is likely to go down within either the first night uh if not the first certainly the second um and that would just help with uh, morale and uh yeah it's another one off the list but yeah you need to look at a number of factors how much gear you actually need from from the first few bosses and how long it's actually taking you to clear them i mean if it's taking you an entire night just to get through the first four then yeah, if you're pushing progression, you might want to start thinking about extending the following week, um, just to try and try and get the attempts in on the the later bosses. Because if you're only getting a, a couple of attempts in a week, um, three or four, five or six, or whatever it is, um, you're not actually getting the 
the right amount of face time in front of that new boss uh, and you're going to struggle getting him down as quickly as you, you might if you actually spent an entire night in front of him. Sure, yeah. All right, cool. Um, another thing that I've been thinking about is um, is recently, obviously, we're stepping up our recruitment for, for Warlords because we're, we're aiming to, to get into Mythic modes relatively quickly. Um, so how are we changing in terms of raid leadership and structure within our guild um, now that we're going from 10 raiders to 20 raiders with a, a sort of a, a larger roster to manage? And, and how would you think that other guilds might sort of want to approach that? So... Um... As we're only like a 10-man raiding guild at the moment, and we've got myself and obviously Fossetti as our raid leader and Tommen as our officer, for 10-man that, that's absolutely fine to keep everyone in check, but Fossetti's uh, had a pretty good idea, I'd like to say, about having uh, class role leaders, or sorry, not class role leaders, but, um, so like there's a healing role leader and uh, an assistant raid leader to help him out and a DPS role leader. Um, and he has actually some very good reasons behind this as a raid leader. So I'm just going to pass all of this over to him now. <laughs> can you, can you oh, stop telling me he's got really good ideas? He's going to have a massive yeah. head by the end of the day. I know, I know. Walk out. Last compliment of the day, I promise. <laughs> the headphones are getting a bit tight, to be honest. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a massive cock on your head. Ooh, Ooh you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, as Sonny said, yeah, we're making some changes in in Warlords. Um, currently, I am the raid leader in our ten man guild, as you are all aware. Um, but there's a big difference between leading ten people uh, or nine people, rather, um, to nineteen. Um, if anyone comes back with the answer ten, I'm just going to slap them. Um, <laughs> the amount of work involved in in organizing people um again ensuring cooldowns are rotated correctly um just generally keeping everybody in line um yeah it's just a hell of a lot more work so for our guild in warlords i am looking to introduce three new positions um in the raid team the first one uh will be the assistant raid leader and what their job description uh, to say is essentially helping with calls during the fight um so keeping an eye on timers um things that are happening ad spawning etc and announcing that um over mumble um to be helping me sort out tactics um uh, positioning and just generally trying to herd everybody in the right direction um just providing that bit of support for myself um in addition to the assistant raid leader, we're going to have a, a healer role leader. Um, their main job is essentially organizing um, the raid cooldowns um, for the fights that need them. Um, so making sure they're done in the correct order uh, and in the the best order. Um, so it's taking that worry off me, instead of panicking five minutes before the fight about when I'm going to pop Devo. Um, they will have it all organized and good to go. And the final one is the DPS role leader. Um, similar to the to the healer one, it's just essentially keeping the DPS team organized, sorting out positioning, providing support, and just generally trying to ensure that they're all doing the maximum DPS um, whilst staying alive. Does um, Is one of the prerequisites of that role is that they have to have the Bee Gees on full blast whenever they're raiding? Yeah, and they must be <laughs> dancing. Yes, dancing at <laughs> all times. But only one hand, because obviously you have to raid with the other hand. 
essentially instead of the 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 raid relying on a sole person um to plan assemble and manage the raid team um i'm just sort of farming out bits and pieces uh to try and take the the pressure off myself um all you raid leaders out there will understand that it's not necessarily an easy job um and that support is generally required but i guess that comes down to your your type of uh, your raid leading as well um you can have two extremes i guess um yeah. you get the the control freaks that like to control everything <laughs> and will micromanage everything by themselves and and get a lot out of doing that and then you get the lazy ones like me that just want to enjoy delegating all their delegating jobs. delegating ask yeah. anybody in management what the key Delegation. key item they learn is is delegating why do you think i'm so good at delegating all my jobs that's why i end up, <laughs> I end up doing everything <laughs> yep so did you uh, did you have any inspiration for this? Were you looking at sort of what other guilds do, or is this just a, a gut feel kind of thing? Um, essentially, the idea came from I know Method. Um, they have a very unique sort of raiding environment where there isn't one raid leader such. Um, I suppose you could class Roger Brown as their official raid leader, um, but they have a team of people working around him uh, to help support calls, organising flasks, organising cooldowns. So essentially I'm trying to, to mimic that sort of environment where there isn't a single point of failure. Um, it's sort of spreading the load. So if I'm too busy tanking ads or falling asleep and I miss a call, I know... <laughs> someone else is is going to pick up on it and uh and ensure it's done uh and keeping the uh the raid on their toes also i suppose if you're um if you're suddenly just stepping back up to raiding a 20 man mythic it is increasing your chance of burnout as well it is yeah i mean it's, it's a lot of responsibility for one person raid leading um the people that put it all on themselves on the 25 man guild people like rignaros uh proper man crush right there um <laughs> have a lot of, I've got a lot of respect for. Uh, <laughs> no i didn't i was tempted but no, i thought it'd be a bit too much <laughs> um i have a lot of respect uh for the people that can do it and are willing to do it and have that much passion and drive to do it um but unfortunately i i never have the time the uh the ability um, to do it, so that's, that's why I suggested the well, changes. You know, don't sell yourself short. You've raid led in in some no. very high up, you know, guilds, world top one hundred, etc. So, uh, you know, we we're, we know you're capable of it. So, um, so we're just we're just keen to to help support you. So yeah, so I mean, for other guilds that are going through the same change from ten to twenty, it's definitely an idea to to think about. You you don't want to you don't want to burn your raid leaders out. Basically, I mean, these guys put an awful lot of effort no. into what they're doing. You need to look exactly. after your raid leaders. Definitely look after them. Sorry, saps, put themselves <laughs> in the uh, in the spotlight. Why did you stand night. there? Why are you standing there? <laughs> <laughs> you're having yeah, a bad night. My recommendation to the to the guys that are moving from ten man to twenty man mythic is GMs talk to your raid leaders, um, discuss what they want to do, how they're feeling about raid leading, whether they want to try and share out the load or whether they are happy driving forward um, by themselves. 
And also, if they are quite happy to do it by themselves, don't just suddenly think that that's fine to just ignore them. Ah, oh, they're fine. <laughs> I'll just leave them to it. He said he was all right. It's, what, what do you mean he's falling on the floor? <laughs> you stand for Zeti. I check on him all the time. Are you all right, dude? You saw you're okay, though. Okay. I, he's messed all the head. He won't leave me alone. Why would you leave me alone? <laughs> I can't help it. I worry. <laughs> you don't check up on me. <laughs> That's because I know you're alright, dude. Just give up the easy job, you just sit back and heal. Yeah, yeah. I relish I those really days. Very well. I want to go back. <laughs> I just want to heal. Rightio, I think we should, uh, should go from there and move on to our next section. So, this is our Warlords, L O R E, of Draenor section, where we talk about some of the, the war chiefs that we're going to meet in Warlords, um, why they're important, why we can't wait to meet them. And uh, and and uh, this week we are covering Duratan. So Duratan, you recognise the name because the land of Duratar, obviously, is named after him. There you go. That's one mark, and uh, and that's where Algrimar <laughs> is. Um, so it, it's kind of fitting, really, because when they were alive, Duratan and Orgrim Doomhammer, who were the namesakes of both of those places, were best buds. Um, back when they were kids, Duratar and Orgrim were fooling around in Terracar Forest. And they were racing each other to see who was the best, basically. Oh, but before they could when you finish, say fooling around. <laughs> fooling around? Okay. Maybe that's a poor choice of words. <laughs> I think what he means to say is being kids, oh, okay. having fun. Kids can fool around. You Did thinking. you never play doctors and nurses? Or is that just oh, me? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> they doctors would have been playing, doctors. what, doctors and doctors? <laughs> or nurses and nurses. Whatever took mm. their fancy. <laughs> and that's all fine. It's all okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Anyway. That's all good. <laughs> Very accepting uh, podcast. Anyway, um, before they could finish... Oh, God, that doesn't sound right either. Before they could uh, get through the end of their race, they were attacked by a, a huge ogre. And both of them probably would have been killed if it wasn't for the lucky arrival of a Draenei hunting party from Telmore. Um, and that hunting party was led by one of Prophet Velen's second-in-commands, who was a, a big space goat called Restalan, a really cool dude. Um, now, this was before, obviously, the orcs got all stompy, stompy, bitey, killy on the Draenei. Um, so, you know, straight away they weren't kind of at each other's throats, which obviously they would have been a bit later. So being a nice guy, Restalan invited both of the orcs back to Telmore, um, where it just so happened that Velen was in town. So they, they had dinner together and they talked about the history of the two races. And in that time, Orgrim and Duratan learned more about the Draenei than the whole rest of the orcs had in centuries. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more. It's like story time. I love this. <laughs> Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> Are you all sitting comfortably? I feel like I'm back at work. Now, Duratan was a pretty high up orc. His dad was the chieftain, so he was sort of like a prince. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. He was more like Prince Harry than Prince William. British uh, joke. Way. Sorry. It's a bit I of a hellraiser. Americans will get it as well. It's fine. Like to run around naked while playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> it was pool. It wasn't poker. Anyway. Was it pool? Oh. Close it again with a P. It's fine. Yeah. Right, so, after a few years, uh, sorry, a few years after he got back to his clan from spending time with the Draenei, and he noticed a fine young lady orc named Draca, and, you know, he decided that he wanted to, how can I put this, get with her, get to know her, <laughs> there we go, that'll do, oh yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, the tradition was that Duratan invited Draca on a hunt, which was basically a, a massive excuse to go off into the woods and uh, mate, I'll put it like that, that sounds good. 
So he seems to like it. That doesn't the sound good. Old, old <laughs> right. sound, doesn't he? Okay. He's an outside kind of guy. <laughs> He's, let's 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 not put a fine point on it. He he was a dogger. He liked the dogging. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. So he, we're going to get in so much trouble guys, for this podcast. You guys just keep making me laugh. I'm never going to get through my sentence. Um, he approached it with all the arrogance and bravado of a snooty prince, and I mean, I can't, honestly don't blame her. She turned him down. Good for her. I'm proud of her. However, to Derek Tan's credit, he wised up and realised that he needed to behave a little bit better. So instead, he suggested that they go on a real hunt together, not as two orcs who wanted to get it on, but as two <laughs> warriors. All right. I really need to, I I need to play of. some... <laughs> I need to put some Barry White over the top. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's get it Let's on. Let's get it on. Oh, dear. Right, so... Luckily, that changed her mind, and the next day they were out on a hunt when, instead of spending his time trying to impress her, he simply treated Draca like an equal, and that impressed her far more than any typical orc blustering, and they found they worked ridiculously well together. So, guys, little hint, that's a very good dating advice there. Treat them like an equal, don't go out with all bravado. Don't say, no. you want to go make sex in the woods. Oh, that yeah, won't don't get take anywhere. a dogging in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of works both ways as well, guys. Yeah, so, you know, Draka's excellent hunting skills. Um, they impressed uh, Juratan as well. Um, what do you mean that works both ways? Do you, do you mean course. to say that in order to impress blokes, you need to, you need to be a really good hunter? <laughs> is that the correlation that you've got in no, your head? No, no, I yeah, think that's what he's thinking is more like... Mind, Treating them as equal. I'm sure that's what he's oh, thinking. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thanks for that. clarifying okay. that. That's all right. I'm just saving you, man. It's fine. Tom is getting a bit confused. Here you go. There. It's okay. I killed a rabbit for you. <laughs> Be my Valentine. <laughs> I put it in this envelope for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might be getting sidetracked just so, like yeah. so going back to the going back to the story trying to keep this on the line. Um during the hunt they uh they come across a injured Clefhoof and as they moved in for the kill, um old Juratan was surprised and charged down by a giant wolf. And without thinking, Draka jumped into Juratan's aid and they delivered the killing blow at the same time. Woo, equal rights! <laughs> so, yes yeah, so equal rights um so it was at this point that they both uh realized that they they worked brilliantly together and uh and they really got on and uh essentially that was the, the start of their relationship so yeah so going back to the hunting that you were talking about there dave that <laughs> potentially might might be the one thing that you know brings two lovers together yeah. Could be, could possibly, be. Kill, possibly. a killing blow. Do you reckon it works so, the same mm. with like fishing and stuff as well? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't, but maybe we should try that. I'll take my wife yeah. out fishing and see what happens. I reckon you should spice up that relationship. Go with a fishing. bit of fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so as as time went on, um, Juratan's father, the chieftain Garad, he was he was killed in battle. Um, so. Juratan then became the chieftain of the, the Frostwolf Khan. Um, and soon after that, Nurzel brought all the orcs, um, war chiefs and shaman together uh, to talk about a vision he had. Um, he essentially tried or was telling everyone that the, the Draenei are the enemies of the orcs. 
um, which we know now was um, part of Kill Jaden's master plan to hunt down and kill his former Eridar bodies, the Draenei. Okay, so because of all that stuff, and over a really short span of time, the Draenei came under increasing attacks by the Orcs because they were convinced that Draenei were their enemies. And concerned, Belen sent a courier to Nerzal, asking for reasons behind the attacks and requesting a meeting. Now, Nerzal being Nerzal had killed the courier, I think was a bit of a dickish move, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> hey, buddy, do you want to have a chat? Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger, I mean, come on! <laughs> it's kind of a poor sort of life choice, really, being it's a courier. Mean, isn't it? you just, you're just going to get it. You're gonna it's get a bit it. like being in Star Trek when you're that nameless guy that goes down onto the planet. The you're never going to come back yeah, up the again. Red search, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, at any rate, he didn't want to attend the meeting himself. So instead, he sent Duratan, who captured Velen and and his entourage. Then Velen tried to explain the true purpose of Ogoshan to the Frost Wolves, but Duratan and his chief shaman Drekthar grew angered by what they perceived as blasphemy. So despite this, and despite the orders from Nerzal, Duratan released Velen and his crew, mostly because there was no honour in taking a willing prisoner. You know, I kind of like to think that it was partly out of the debt that Duratan owed Velen for coming to his aid when he needed it in Terracar Forest and basically saving his ass, let's be honest, guys. So a short while later, the Frostwolf's clan shamans were suddenly cut off from the spirits mid-battle. And Duratan and Drakkar saw this as the spirits being pretty pissed off with them. And they realised that something was obviously not right with was, was what was going on. But, you know, I think that's, that's a pretty good sign, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, sort of so, losing contact with the... Yeah, the spirits the spirit being shame. Yeah. Like, mm. Oh, shit. They've Hello. just disappeared. Is anyone there? <laughs> Guys? Guys, what have we done? <laughs> So they started to become really suspicious of Nerzal, but unfortunately they didn't do anything about it at first. And they even allowed some of their shamans to start receiving training in demonic powers. And they let them become warlocks, which was a pretty bad move, guys. I don't know, warlocks are pretty cool. They've got cookies. They do have cookies, but I mean... That, Best that's strange They've got portals. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> those portals, like, those pesky portals. Uh, those, those are quite tricky, tricksy portals. <laughs> we'll learn more about those portals at some other time. Anyway, um, so this unwillingness to stand up to Nerzil culminated in an attack on Telmor, which was the city that Duratan and Orgrim were taken to by Restalan after they got beaten up by that ogre earlier in the story. Um, just before this, Nerzil had brought the orcs together and formed the Horde, and Duratan was one of the orcs to run to chief, run for chieftain, but as we learned last week, he was, he was beaten to the punch by Blackhand, who became the first war chief. Um, and little did they all know that the Black Hand at that point was Gul'dan's little puppet, Gul'dan having, having taken over from Nerzil at that point. So Black Hand ordered Duratan to destroy Telmor, which was something that Duratan really didn't want to do, but he did it out of fear that his whole clan would be wiped out by Gul'dan if he didn't comply. So he led his orcs to Telmor, he led them through all of the secret passages that he'd learned about when he was there, and he massacred everybody there, and oh. he killed Restalan with his own hands, which is pretty dark. That is pretty so, dark. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, and it, although, you know, on the face of it, it's a really horrible betrayal of the, the people that had saved him and brought him in and were, you know, really accommodating with of him and Orgrim, it was it was kind of the only choice that he could make. You know, he needed to save the lives yeah. of his own people. So, suppose, yeah, that's a, that's a tough he one. Was, he was, like, stuck between a rock and a hard place, let's be honest. Exactly, exactly. So, soon after this happened, the orcs planned to attack the Draenei capital, Shatrith. 
Um, Gul'dan called all of the clans to the festival to receive Kil'jaeden's gift, which was obviously the, the blood of Manoroth, um, which was going to make the orcs super strong and ferocious before they went to beat the crap out of Shadrath. Um, so Ner'zhul at this point was playing a good guy after working out what Gul'dan's horrible plan was, and he warned Durotan about what was going on. So Durotan and his old friend Orgrim refused to drink the blood, which of course made Gul'dan super suspicious. So yeah, after the uh, after Shatrath was taken, um, Gul'dan had his vision that convinced him to to build uh, the Dark Portal um, along with a um, possessed Medivh. Um, so yeah, if you don't know the backstory on that, go check it out. Essentially, they built the portal between Azeroth and uh, and Outlands. Um, so Juritan, who had finally realised that everything that had been going on uh, up until now was wrong, um, started becoming more and more uh, anti-Gul'dan and spoke out angrily against uh, against creating the, the portal. However, it was uh, a little too late, and as soon as the Horde ported to Azeroth, uh, Gul'dan exiled Juritan and his entire Frostwolf clan. Um, but before they left Draenor for the last time, Juritan and Draka um, visited Great Mother Gaia in Magar, and they told her that they were expecting a child and that they were going to call him Goel. Now that, obviously, is a name that we might hear more about a little bit later. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> spoilers. You're just so, spoiling it for uh, everyone. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's like he's some massive lore character or something. I don't, I don't know what that's I know, all about. Anyway, Jesus. Duratan's downfall. So... After after their exile, Durotan and Drakkar, along with the, the rest of the Frostwolf clan, settled into the Alterac Mountains. And while they were there, they spent their time trying to come to terms with what they'd been part of, basically. Their elders, such as Drekthar, gave up their dirty, nasty, warlocky ways, and after some time they were able to regain the favour of the spirits and return to shamanism. They also tamed the white wolves that lived in the valley, much as they had done in their, with the wolves in their homeland, Frostfire Ridge. Um, around the end of the First War, Draco gave birth to their son Goel, the orc that would later be known as Thrall. Being a dad changed Duratan, and I can speak from experience on that fact. It definitely does change you. I mean, probably not in as significant a way as Duratan was changed. All that happened to me is I started smelling more like baby sick and uh, not being able to sleep very much, but it was a change nonetheless. <laughs> And uh, where before he'd been happy to keep his head down and accept their banishment, um, Duratan decided that he now had something to fight for, so he decided to take action against Gul'dan. So to do so, he needed some help. So he and Drakkar travelled to a place where they knew that they could find some. They went to find Orgrim Doomhammer. Okay, so by this time in the story, Orgrim Doomhammer had assassinated Blackhand, as we heard about last week, and he was now the second war chief of the Horde, and he was thrilled to see Duratan and Drakkar, and he brought them into his camp with Massive, open, manly orc arms. It's <laughs> a man hug. Bro love. <laughs> Some bro love going on there, guys. Did they just um, not going to the forest. <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to the forest. Good. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm aware of, anyway. <laughs> anyway, back on track. No, uh, no forests involved. Doratan explained everything that he knew about Gul'dan and the Shadow Council and the demonic pact that he'd made with Kill Jaden. Doomhammer promised to stand by Duratan's side when they confronted Gul'dan, but he told him and Drakkar to lay low until they were ready. So Doomhammer sent them off to a safe place accompanied by some of his guards. 
Now, sadly, one of the guards was a spy of Gul'dan and had arranged for a bunch of assassins to ambush, ambush them. And despite kicking some serious assassin ass, Draka and Duratan were killed. Wop wop. Duratan. <laughs> wow. Don't, <laughs> don't sound so sad about it. Well, I was making this the, the jolly sad sign before <laughs> I went into the serious, <laughs> the serious sad part. So Duratan had his arm sliced off before he died. So he could never hold his child again. Oh, wow. That's rough. <laughs> that's rough. Brutal. <laughs> it's seriously brutal. There's an interesting uh, bit of lore in the, the Twilight of the Aspects novel. Um, Thrall and uh, another orc named Gurkha were sent back by the, the bronze dragonfly uh, into the caverns of time to escort Juratan and Draka to safety after their meeting with Doomhammer. Uh, they travelled anonymously with um, with his parents, uh, essentially posing as their as their guards. Um, but Greca uh, was actually the traitor who summoned the assassins. So Thrall kind of indirectly caused the death of his own parents. Oh wow! Um, and Ooh. in the in the ensuing fight, Thrall was unable to stop his parents being killed because he couldn't change the timeline. Oh, um, oh no. shit! Yeah, it's why you don't mess with time travel, dude. Don't yeah. mess with time travel. Yeah, bloody, bloody <laughs> bronze dragons. And uh, <laughs> Cromie, she's cool. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. To be fair. Uh, and in the ensuing fight, um, as they as they died, um, Thrall was was able to speak to them as they as they died. And essentially told him that their son Goel would become a, a great hero and that the orcs would become a proud, powerful, united race. Yay! Some happy news <laughs> to end it on a bit there. Sorry about the fact you got no arms, Dad. But hey, it's all right, because the future will all be cool. We're going to be badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommen, uh, tell us a bit more about the, uh, the Frostwolf clan. All right, cool. So the Frostwolves were known for two things. Um, first one was their one-on-one fighting ability, and the second one was their big wolves that they rode into battle. Funny that, given their name. It's <laughs> <laughs> weird, didn't it? So um, the Frostwolves were a really close-knit clan, and as such they were quite a lot smaller in terms of numbers than a lot of the other clans. Um, they were one of the original Orc clans, and their homeland on Dranor was at a place called Frostfire Ridge, which is sort of in the northwest. Um, I don't think it exists in Outland, so if you go through the portal, you won't see it um, in in our current timeline. But it would kind of be to the left of Blades Edge Mountain, I think. So it must have been one of the the, the land masses that was completely destroyed when Draenor blew to bits. So through the first and the second war, the Frostwolves remained in hiding, and they practiced the old traditions under the leadership of the Shaman Drek'thar, who had taken over um, after Durotan had died. Um, and eventually, nearly two decades after their exile, Thrall went looking for them and finally located the clan of his father. So with Drek'thar as his teacher, Thrall became a shaman himself and began a long battle to remind the orcs of their heritage and free them from the demonic corruption that had ruined them. Um, following, obviously, Thrall's entry back into his into his father's clan, um, they fought bravely from then on and helped liberate the orcs uh, from the humans and fighting against the, the Burning Legion during the Third War and helping to find Juritar in Thrall's new horde. Um, 
a large number of them decided in fancy settling in the dusty dwelling of Ogrima and I understand they, that it's a horrible place it's not, yeah I totally get that too as far as setting up a capital city it's not probably the smartest move from it yeah let's go somewhere with no fresh water or, or yeah. any you know anywhere to grow crops or anything it's just it's just go in the mm. desert it'll be fine just go, I like dust let's go with the dust <laughs> I suppose beggars can't be choosers but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you could have found somewhere a little better um, so they returned back to their homeland um, that they'd made up in the, the Altrek Mountains however they were soon joined by the, the dwarves of the Stormpike expedition who were sent by King Magni Bronzebeard to mine the living crap out of the valley. And essentially, this is where the, the battleground Arteric Valley um, kicks off. Um, so, and the Frostwolves believe that the day the Horde allows the Alliance to invade Horde lands without a forceful response is the day they will hang up their axes and live the rest of their lives in shame. <laughs> That's fair so, enough. Yeah. Strength and honor. Um, there's not much much else to say about the Frostwolves in the current timeline timeline timeline, they haven't had many lore updates since Vanilla uh, so Alteric Valley seems to be just a snapshot of them at a particular time and that's where they are today like a little Polaroid picture of them stuck (laughs) in AV forever Never. <laughs> exactly. I remember days like that in vanilla. I used to <laughs> yes. I used to leave AV, come back two days later, and it'd be the same bloody battle. The same one. <laughs> all F4 guys, all F4. <laughs> yep. Get out. Um, God, so Tom and- why have you killed Belinda? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy, tell us what's gonna happen in uh in Wallows Adrenal. Okay, so I mean obviously we don't know a lot about what's gonna happen, but one of the things that we do know is that Duratan is going to completely reject Gary Garrish's invitation to join the Iron Horde. And instead he's gonna focus on his clan's own survival in the the dangerous and inhospitable terrain that's their homeland in, in Frostfire Ridge. Um so in our timeline, Duratan and his orcs were one of the only clans not to drink the blood of Manoroth. So with that not happening in the noon time, well, obviously it happens in the noon timeline, you know, Goldan's still going to do it, but the rest of the orcs aren't. So with that not happening, it's interesting to note that in turning down the Iron Horde, Duratan still turns down anything that he doesn't see as traditional orc culture. So basically he's a guy that kind of sticks to his guns. Um, he's he's quite a, a principled guy, as as we can see from, from, from both of those things. Um, also, with Duratan and Draka not travelling through the Dark Portal, their assassination doesn't happen, so... Of course, we can kind of expect that at some point they'll meet Thrall, which uh, will, will be sort of an interesting moment. However, it's it's obviously important that we note that Thrall isn't actually this Duratan's son. He's our timeline Duratan's son, so it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, but either way, I think Blizzard mentioned at BlizzCon that both Thrall and Garrosh, who would be meeting their fathers, wouldn't actually reveal, reveal themselves to their dads because of that would just be all kinds of weird. Okay, so it's again messing with timelines. I mean, yeah, oh, it's time travel it just <laughs> makes my head hurt. It's too confusing. <laughs> as long as he comes back with a sports almanac, that's all he needs. It's fine. <laughs> Sorted. Done. <laughs> okay, so um, also living in Frostfire Ridge are the Thunderlord clan. So in our timeline, these guys don't actually even exist anymore. They stayed behind in Draenor during the first and second wars, and um. Well, like, they were pretty jealous of all the clans that were off fighting and, you know, stabbing, slicing, punching. So when <laughs> <laughs> all the things that go with fighting, right? 
So when I trips to the forest and man hugs and (laughs) brofists. Didn't mention forests and man hugs. (laughs) (laughs) Sweaty man hugs. Wow, Jesus! I think I'm going to move on from this now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when Doomhammer's buddies came back through the portal, having lost in Lordaeron, they uh, they were ridiculously eager to go through the portal and kill some Alliance dudes and claim glory for themselves. Unfortunately, this didn't quite happen to their plan. They were utterly massacred by Nerzor before they even had a chance. Mainly as punishment for not sticking to their plan. Ouch! <laughs> Sucks to be them! <laughs> so, so hang on, let me get this straight. So basically they wanted to go through the portal and kill some humans but because it wasn't yep. the right time to go through the portal and kill some humans, they got yep. utterly destroyed. <laughs> yes, you oh. get a point for that. Well done! <laughs> Ouch! That's, that's harsh. Yeah. Um, in WoW, we deal with the Thunderlords in Blades Edge Mountain, where there's a bunch of horde quests that revolve around putting their spirits to rest. Which I can tell you is quite an irritating quest. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> in Warlords, the Thunderlords live in the same zone as the Frostwolf clan. So um, when we meet Duratan, he's trying to convince them not to become part of the Iron Horde. And I don't think Gary is going to be particularly happy about this, to be honest. Shocking, shocking. I know. Well... To be, to be honest, I, I can't really wait to see how we, as kind of current timeline Horde and Alliance characters, interact with Duratan, given that we share a common enemy in the Hellscreams and the Iron Horde. I think it'd be quite interesting to see how Duratan and Garrosh both try and convince the Thunderlord clan to join them, I suppose. And I kind of, I bet we'll see some right brutal little spats um, kind of coming out because of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we see the, the Duratan of our timeline as a bit of a, a noble a noble orc, um, but I wonder if we'll see a, a harder, darker side to him in, in Warlords. Um, for instance, in the current timeline, the law repeatedly points out his internal confliction regarding the choices uh, he's had to make, um, such as standing up to, to Gul'dan, or does he betray the, the Draenei um, who saved him? But ultimately, as a, as a true noble orc, his, his duty is to, to protect his, his clan above all else. Um, and the difficulty of his choices between torn between the greater good um, of this new united horde and upholding honor for his name and his clans, I think he he possibly did the, but essentially he's had to do what he's had to do to make sure his his clan survived and continue to uh, to thrive, um, and we'll likely see that same conflict uh, come to the fore again, um, but without the influence of, of the Burning Legion and Gul'dan's power threatening his clan. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping he gets some some free reign to kick some ass and stand up to for what he believes in. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean that's that's Duratan in a nutshell. Help! Well, a nutshell. You say in a nutshell. <laughs> I mean, in our massive, epic, beautiful yeah. story time. <laughs> yeah. I suppose yeah, he is one of the the major uh, law characters. Um, he's had a lot go on. That nice. timeline, yeah, he's obviously been Thrall's dad. Mm. Expanded quite quite it's a bit not, on him. It's not and... easy to fit him into like a five minute story. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, there's probably a lot of stuff that we've missed as well. But I, I definitely recommend yeah. that you read Lord of the Clans, which is um, yeah, quite quite a good story of uh, of what was going on around the, the that sort of period. So uh, it's definitely worth a read. Right, so that's Warlords done with this week. So if you have any sort of preferences for who we do next week, get in touch and let us know. So I think Gold we should down. move on Gold to... Gold, Gold, I don't want to do Gold <laughs> yet. It's going to be so difficult. 
Anyway, um, let's move on to to the next the next feature. I mean, you might remember from last week we started a new feature with some rapid fire questions, and we were thinking about a name, and we've decided to call it Multi Shot. So this week we've uh, we've asked for some rapid fire questions to 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 pit, um, you know, the the hosts up against, and so I'm going to oh, read God. them out this week. So I'll uh, I'll read them out, and you guys tell me the first thing that pops into your head after I've uh, after I've read the questions. Who's so first? I'll start. I'll start with uh, I'll start with you, honey, for question one. Okay. What was the first album you ever owned? Oh God, um, it was one of the Now albums. But I'm afraid <laughs> that if I give you a number, people will be able to work out how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> now seven. I... No, oh Jesus, it's not that old. <laughs> do I spill the age live on air? Do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> I am warning you for SETI. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know, direct message Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> All right, for Seti, what about you? What was the first album you owned? Uh, Michael Jackson, Bad. So it's, it's fairly nice. respectable. That's pretty respectable good, yeah, album. all right. Uh, now. Yeah. All right, it could have been worse. It could have been like Boyzone. Yes. It could have been worse. I think I'm pretty sure the first album I ever owned was The Lighthouse Family. So, uh, yeah, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the guy's name now. Within oh. I'm like, oh, crap. Anyway, move on. <laughs> I think I think the the less we dwell on that, the better. Right? Yeah. Okay. Question yeah, I think number we two. Seti, you can go first. I kind of get the impression that this this question is is a, a leading question designed for debate. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll go with it. What do you call I... the midday meal for setting? There's no debate on this. It's dinner. Oh my god! Dinner. You're wrong. Dinner. You are so wrong. It is dinner. lunch. Dinner comes later in the day. Dinner oh, doesn't come at you. lunchtime. Listen to you too. It's dinner. 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 Do you say like, oh, guys, when you're away, I'm just going to go for dinner. They'd be like, yeah. dude, you haven't finished work yet. No, because it's like, it's like 12 they o'clock. You're having dinner. <laughs> they all understand when it's I say it's because you live in dinner. backwards country. Bloody Northerners. What the what? hell? Dinner. No, dinner. Of course, it's <laughs> breakfast, wrong. dinner, tea. What's... No. No. It's breakfast, no. lunch and dinner. No, 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 no. I think we might have a domestic live on air. This is uh, this is going to be pretty bad. A three-way is... domestic. That's a bit of a strange well, one. It's entirely unfair because I'm outnumbered as it is. It's southerners. Northerners. I demand a northern guest. You're a northerner and you want to come on the show again, Twitter, Only if you call a lunchtime lunch. No, I'm pretty dinner. sure we're not going to have any northern uh, guests on the show anyway because we're all too busy farming and wearing flat caps. <laughs> and getting confused as to what time of the day it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll say, come on after tea, and they'll be like, what? What? Why does that what? Make sense? You can have tea at any point in the day. Nope. Let's do Screw you guys. Screw you guys. <laughs> right, let's, uh, let's, let's move on before Fossetti starts crying. Uh, honey, what's your favourite flavour of ice cream? Uh, mint sock chip. Oh, good shout. How about mm-hmm. you, Fossetti? Uh, fish food. Ah, oh, the one with the fish tiny food. chocolate fish in. Tiny chocolate ah, fish. Is that ben, and, ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Nice. Yeah, it's a good choice. Other ice cream varieties are available. Yeah. Anything <laughs> <Yes>. else? <laughs> right. So that's uh, that's multi shot for this week. So we'd really appreciate your questions for next week. Anything just you know random, just to, just to, as an excuse to to get to know your hosts would be great. So if you could tweet them to ready underscore check, that would be brilliant. Thank you. There will be something okay, that doesn't so... bring out the north-south divides. <laughs> I am outnumbered. Do you have a pet whippet? <laughs> Do you wear a flat cap at all times? Screw <laughs> you, guys. I feel really home. sorry for our, uh, our European and uh, and American listeners. They're not going to have a clue what we're talking about. No, no. Alienated them all. 
So yeah, right, so your, your multi-short questions for next week would be much appreciated. Right, so let's move on to the, the community stuff, shall we? So we had a, a decent question this week from Melgin Druid on Twitter, who has uh, who, who wants us to talk a little bit about button cull, um, which is a, a hot topic that's going around at the moment. So do you think it's a good idea? And if so, which abilities would you merge or remove on your main character? Um, how about you, Facetti, on your uh, protection paladin? What, what do you think you'd get rid of? Um... It's a difficult one, really, uh, to try and think what I wouldn't use or not need. Obviously, having or oh, using it now, um, I like to complain that we do have too many buttons compared to the, the Guardian Druids of this world. Shut <laughs> um, <laughs> <Set> up, you! <laughs> <laughs> there's just yeah, there's a lot of I don't want to say fluff, but I don't know. There is. There's a lot. Yeah. There's there's a difference between the the tanks. Uh, protection paladins seem to be on the heavy end, and the warriors again on the heavy end. I've not played a monk, so I'm not quite sure where they are. But going on to my druid and tanking on my druid, I often find that like, I'm sure I'm missing something. So it's like, <laughs> nope. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no swipe. Yeah, I got it covered. <laughs> Oi, um, we got more than swipe. Come on. <laughs> Coffee yeah. and bark skin. But to be honest, I think, I don't know, I can't, they've talked about it quite a bit about removing certain abilities and to be honest, you have to do it very carefully because you know what the, the WoW community is like, um, no matter what they remove and the reasons for removing it, they will end up upsetting somebody. Um, oh, yeah. I think I, um, I quite like the protection paladin rotation, um, so I'll be keen not to lose any more buttons. Um, but yeah, I I think they've got it pretty well with protection paladins. I'm not quite sure about holy paladins. Um, on my restoration druid, I felt I had probably too many buttons there, um, too many similar spells. Uh, obviously, you've got your three main heals, uh, though we don't use our restoration druids. Don't use two of them. Um, no, I, two... I, I in fact I don't use any or any of the three of mine, which is a little bit ridiculous. So there's yeah there's opportunities there for them to certainly reduce the buttons on on the healers um, yeah DPS offer your feedback by Twitter what buttons can you uh, feel you can lose um, do you think they've got it right or do you want more <laughs> how about you Dave how are you feeling on the, the holy Paladin? obviously just mentioned there you hardly using three of the heals at the moment yeah but I mean that's because of gear levels so I can almost maintain. Um without getting too into Holy Paladin, I can almost maintain a, a sort of big AoE heal, big AoE heal, Holy Shock, and then um, Holy Power um, filler kind of rotation, which is is meaning that I don't have to use my Flash heal, my normal heal, or my heavy heal, um, which is, you know, probably just a, a byproduct of the, the gear level that I'm at, to be honest, rather than anything else, because I definitely did have to use all of them when, uh, when I was slightly undergeared, and also through... The, the first tiers of the expansion so I expect that I'll be using them again um, when we go into to Warlords but um, yeah I mean the stuff that uh, you know the, it's, it's, it's difficult because when you when you get to sort of heroics there are there, there are sort of use cases for almost every ability so even even you know Righteous Fury as Holy there, there's there's definitely a use for that on for instance the empowered whirling corruptions on garrosh to to bring the ads to to me so that the tanks can pick them up or whatever depending on whatever tactic we're using so uh, there are definitely uses for most of these things um so I, I, you know 
There are some things that I don't ever use, for instance, turn evil, uh, but then it's really useful in PvP, so I wouldn't really want to have it disappear. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's difficult. You're going you're gonna to upset people wherever you remove, I think. How about you, honey? Well, as Facetti has so rudely pointed out... <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, I think Guardian Druids are just a different type of tank than they are to Pallets, because we don't have that many actual abilities but we have a lot of active mitigation that we can use so that takes up a lot of my buttons um but there's two? nothing two got... <laughs> right jesus i've got more Mouse than real, two you real down. Done. <laughs> done sorted um no i mean i mean there's there isn't really anything that i don't use there's probably stuff that i don't need on my bars but i just like to keep them there well, for example bear hug i don't really know i don't think i've ever used that spell ever but i just like keeping it there that, that's yeah that's good but as for uh, protection paladins, I ha- I have one as an alt, but I hate them because I think they've got too many buttons. <laughs> <laughs> too complicated or just right? You decide. So let us know <laughs> on uh, on Twitter what you play and what you think about the button cull. It'd be really interesting to to talk about that next week on the show. Right, so I think that almost brings us to the end of the show. I think there are a couple of things that we'd need to mention. So first things first, we have got a competition running at the moment, which you might have seen on the website, um, where you can win a boxed Mr. Pandaria Collector's Edition, a physical one, um, and also a Steel Series QCK uh, mouse mat in in the, the Mr. Pandaria style. So it's got a really cool picture of Chen on the front. Um, and you can win those by um, emailing us in at mailbag at readychoke.co.uk with your favourite soundtrack track from the Mr. Pandaria soundtrack and why you love it and what kind of feelings it brought up when you listened to it and what you were doing at the time and, and basically just everything that it brings up in you when you hear that track. And we'll uh, we'll be picking the best one uh, in a couple of weeks and awarding some prizes. Uh, also, you can record yourself talking about it um, and we will feature those on the show as well. So if you'd like to kind of hear yourself on our podcast, then just record them and, and send it to us. Um, more information on our website, so go and check that out for uh, for all the, the T's and C's. So next up, we're also going to be on Realm Maintenance uh, on Tuesday the 18th with Ro. Uh, that's at www.realm-maintenance.com. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Realm Podcast. So we basically just had a, a nice chat with Ro. Um, what kind of stuff did we talk about, honey? Uh, we talked about lots of things, really. Um, we talked about a bit about us and then a bit about the show, um, things that we've enjoyed doing the most since we've on the show, or in Pacetti's case, what he's enjoyed listening to us talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a really good interview. So, so um, I think we managed to... To wedge in the fact that we'd been to Paris and yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've not we, mentioned this. I don't know if we told you guys, no. but we, we mm-hmm. went to we went to the Blizzard headquarters. It was it was mm-hmm. pretty good. Pretty good. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of understated. We don't like to, to mention it too many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't even think you guys have told me. You've been to Paris. Jeez, that's quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the Blizzard people did did a and a with uh, Ian. Did you? Oh, that's amazing. It's pretty good. If you're not seeing it on the website, go check it out. Yep. Anyway, so that's enough of that. So we'll be on Realm Maintenance on Tuesday the 18th. So so definitely give that a download and listen. And also let Ro know um, what you think of it as well because he puts an awful lot of effort into those podcasts and we really appreciate it so thanks for having us on Ro 
And finally, we've got some super secret news for you guys. So as you might remember, in November last year, uh, over BlizzCon, we ran Barcraft on Thames, which was an event in London where we all took over a pub, watched the live stream, gave away an awful lot of prizes, and had some guys and girls from Blizz come over to spend some time with us. Well, got some good news. You might want to save the date of the 29th of March, which is a Saturday, um, because we are doing a super special Diablo 3 Reapers of Souls launch event uh, in London. Again, um, Blizzard have asked us to, to sort of take part and, and put something together. So we will be meeting in a pub, watching some live streams, playing the game, giving away an awful lot of prizes, and basically just socialising and getting rather drunk. So save the date, 29th of March, and uh, we'd love to see you there. More information coming shortly on the website. Right, that's it for this week. So I've uh, I've been Tommen. I've had Honey Bunny and Fossetti with me. So guys, say goodbye in your best orc impression. Fossetti. Oh, crap. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know how orcs say goodbye. Just do, just do, oh, just do Chris Metzen. Just channel Chris Metzen. Chris just, Metzen. Just do I, it. Can't, I can't. It's just too I awesome. Can't. I just can't do it. It's just like, I don't know. Just, I'm, I'm panicking just, here. Honey. <laughs> Orc impression, where's that come from? Right, do you know what? I told you, I just pluck it out of thin air. Your yeah. turn. Lockta, Oga. <laughs> Is that even goodbye? I've no idea. Not sure. Who knows? I'll go with That's that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to rebel entirely and just say bye, guys. I, I oh. don't know how to do an orc impression. I'm so sorry. Uh, goodbye.